Hello and welcome to Game Pass Forever. For now, a standalone segment of the Outside is Overrated podcast. Each month, up to now, we dive into a new game off the Xbox Game Pass lineup as voted on by our Patreon supporters. That's called a tease. That's called foreshadowing. That's good radio burns. Shut up. This segment exists because of our generous backers on Patreon. If you enjoy this content, please visit patreon.com slash OIO and pledge $2 a month to support the show. And then you can... Vote on the games that we play, or play them with us. Outside is Overrated is presented by Premier Health. Check out their website at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. I'm your magnanimous host, Thompson Logic, and we're excited to wrap up our conversation on Monster Hunter Rise by Capcom. We've got the Hobby Box, Joe Burns, Hey-o. and Dr. C, Casey Aline, here to break down this game with us. Hey, what's going on, everybody? In this episode, we are going to take a deep dive on our entire experience with rise if you are curious about our first impressions check out part one in your outside is overrated podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts released in march 2021 monster hunter rise is the 15th entry in the venerated series and has a metacritic rating of 87 on xbox you play as a hunter tasked with slaying an array of large monsters the core gameplay loop consists of accepting a quest, loading up on side quests, completing your quest, carve, carve, carve the monsters, turn in your quests, and then upgrade your gear. You forgot about eating. Eating oh, yeah. is a very important component. Very true. Thank you for calling that out. Uh, we have been to different locations, battled a bevy of bodacious beasts. That is the line I'm proudest of in like the entire history of OIO. That alliteration right there. Bodacious, though? Like, I don't know. Well, I can't say B.A. because I don't want to edit this show. I know, but like bodacious... That's like, I don't know. It just feels like... A There's a giant wiener monster, Burns! That's pretty bodacious! I don't know. I just don't know that you're using that <laughs> word correctly. I will stand by my word selection. <laughs> uh, and we live to tell the tales. What are the highlights of Monster Hunter Rise, Burns? I, I mean, nothing beats the feeling of finally conquering a difficult, bodacious beast, apparently. Um, hey, I, I think- Magnamalo is pretty bodacious, dude. I have to look up what bodacious means. I got a dictionary because, right here. Yeah, I doubt it's in that, but uh, oh, bodacious is in the dictionary. Now you have to vamp for I bet ten you seconds. It's not in that dictionary, <laughs> but I will say that. Uh, Why don't you think that bodacious is in my Garfield dictionary? Um, because it's old. It, yeah, it is fairly old. Bodacious is not bodacious a new is word. Old too. <laughs> I mean, I, it's the dictionary versus the internet right here. So is 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 Magnum Malo excellent, admirable, or attractive? Yes, he's got purple I mean, fire everywhere. The the, 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 the Kizu, Kezu, however you say it, I, I could see why Tom would like that. That is like Tom in Monster Hunter form. <laughs> That's the giant wiener monster, yeah, right? Big white, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Floppy neck. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> Oh, is bodacious really not in my dictionary? Like, oh man, I was gonna tell oh. you. No, I'm looking at. I don't know how the alphabet works. Hey, hey, why don't you look up Mondays while you're in that Garfield dictionary to see? Uh, <laughs> I hate what Mondays. Um, it's really not in here. B o d a c i o u s, right? Yeah, that would be correct. Yeah, that's not surprising to me, Tom. Miriam and Webster, not big users of the word bodacious. So, but it's a word. It's a word, but it's like slang, and not all slang is going to be encapsulated in a small dictionary. This isn't going to matter to anyone, but do you know how long I've been toting this dictionary around? I Probably for, what, Garfield hasn't really been popular for 20 years, so at least that long? Uh, Somewhere between 2008 and 11. I've had it since my time with the Bay Sox. So not quite 20 years. That's like more like 15-ish, but... 
Garfield has to be replaced. Should we talk about Monster Hunter, or should we just uh, keep paging through my dictionary? I could pick random words out at. I think your random. dictionary is bodacious, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Good word choice. It's a very attractive dictionary. Yeah, it's got Garfield right on the cover. Well, I don't care about anything Burns has to say anymore. <laughs> Casey, how was this experience for you? Uh, I couldn't agree more, Burns. <laughs> <laughs> So we're all in agreement that the big meter monster is the highlight of this experience. All right, Correct. great. Yes. No, yeah. I mean, like, we... We'll call him the Fluffy Tom. We got our butts kicked by Magnamalo the first few times we played, and, the, you know, I didn't get to play with you guys the first time. You beat it. Thankfully, you were kind enough to hop on with me, and, uh, and, and we ended up beating it. And, you know, after getting your butt kicked pretty handily by it the first few times that that feeling of finally slaying it and getting that last hit in mm-hmm. is, is actually it's pretty i don't know it's it's as far as video game feelings go it's it's right up there yeah. you know um well when you compare this to like doing laundry in arcade paradise like yeah that's uh that's that's a tough call for the best experience i don't know when you have like how many s-rank laundry uh excursions in a row like that's a pretty that's a pretty bodacious feeling too isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Bodacious is a good word, and I will not apologize the, for my it's, alliteration. It's the new literally. Yeah. 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 It's literally <laughs> the new literally. Yeah, it literally is really good. Literally. Uh, I think the most bodacious thing about Monster Hunter Rise is that it's just more Monster Hunter. I think, I mean, it's the 15th entry. It's a long-running series. This is not horribly different than my experience playing Monster Hunter World as I fiddle with my microphone uh, thingy. But for me, the high is just more Monster Hunter, more big monsters, the fun combat, and uh, I was excited just to play more. We'll start with the real star of the show, Combat. Casey, having never played a video game outside of Arcade Paradise before, and jumping into your first session just mashing buttons like crazy, how did your approach to combat and your overall skills change? Oh, man, uh, immensely. The the longsword is a very technical weapon, which I don't know if I knew that a whole lot when I picked it, but, um, I didn't know anything about the weapons. I'm like, great sword looks cool. I'll try that. I'm like, all right, pretty fun. Well, that was kind of like what I was too. We talked about it. Like I had originally chosen the great sword because it looked cool. And then we teamed up for the first time and you also had a great sword. And I was like, well, we can't have two people with great swords. I'll switch to the long sword. Well, we could have all been the great sword and just been like formed a triangle and just flailed slowly towards the middle. And those monsters would have been pummeled as long as they don't break and tame. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's super technical. And, you know, along with the sharpness gauge that every weapon has, I think, well, probably just all the sword weapons, maybe every weapon I'm, has I, it. I, don't I know. would think even the ranged yeah. weapons probably have. Some yeah, sort of at least in right? at least in world, both the uh, bow and arrow and the uh, hammer had sharpness. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so with the longsword, along with the, the sharpness gauge, there's also a spirit meter that, that fills up as you use a basic attack. Uh, once your spirit meter is full, you can start to use your special spirit combos. Uh, and if you successfully hit the monster with the last swing of the combo, so you can, you can, it's a four hit combination and you only have to hit the monster on the, on the very last one to level up your spirit meter and your weapon will actually change from glowing white to glowing yellow to glowing red if you progressively hit it on those on those combos and in between there you also have to so you have to fill it up then you have to restart your regular combo then you have to go your spirit combo so it takes a long time to get your sword all the way to red there are some different tricks and stuff that i learned along the way but that's how you completely maximize damage and that's something that totally switched for me where i 
didn't even know a spirit meter was a thing. Like you could just see, like I could see the sword there and it would fill up, but I had no idea what to do. I don't think I ever once pulled off the four hit combo necessary to level it up to to the next damage potential. So so that was a massive change. And then you know, just actually looking at the monsters and you know, we played together at first and being able to like when you solo it learning how the monsters move, learning how to effectively dodge and counter them. Uh, it was something that that I had to do too with this weapon to because there's no defensive ability with it either. So you're you're in close close range. You're constantly having to dodge, constantly having to counter to make sure that you don't don't die. So it was way different <laughs> than my first experience and a lot more fun doing it that way too. Um, how much uh, research did you have to do to like get up to speed with it? Like, how much time outside of the game did you have to invest to learn the ins and outs of the longsword? A lot. I probably watched. I know I watched at least two different half-hour-long YouTube videos for different combos. You know, and how to how to do some of the dodge moves, how to do some of the, cause like there, there's a move called the special sheath where halfway through your combo, you actually sheath your blade. And then from that you can combo, you can uh, counter out of that. Uh, and if you pull off a specially timed move then it actually bumps your spirit meter, no matter where you're at, which it's really hard to do, but it's freaking awesome when you pull it off. <laughs> Did you pull it off with any frequency regularity? <clears throat> Uh, solo mode, yes. It's very hard to do when you have multiple people on the board because you never really can fully know if the monster is aggroed on you or oh, not. Oh, just sharpen. Just sharpen and you'll have aggro. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Sharpen or try to chug a potion and it'll come on you. But uh, Your yeah, favorite. You, you have to. It's it's When the monster is facing you and they do, almost every monster has some sort of like dash attack or something that, mm -hmm. and that's when you you pull it off you have to time that perfectly and counter that um and it does awesome damage looks really cool you get like this glowing blue swirl of light that kind of goes around it um and then yeah your spirit meter levels up to to you know if you're at yellow it's going to go to red or you know whatever but and listening to you play that was interesting because you had a level of excitement but did it did not approach hulk level in the broken mm -hmm. tech demo that was marvel avengers because like you were audibly giggling as you were there smashing was, his hulk there was one point where he just started like randomly giggling like that i don't know if that was when you figured out one of those moves or finally pulled off one of those special combos or whatever i'm not sure but there was one point where you were like this is almost like the hulk well <laughs> there there is one move that you pull is off is that what i this. sound like <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm not i'm not very good at uh, imitating oh. people no there's there's one move that you can pull off it's called the this the helm breaker which just sounds awesome um and it's your it's one of your uh, your switch skills so if I was able to get my sword up to red spirit meter and then use that switch skill, it did just insane amounts of damage. Because it actually, you like fly up into the air and you just come down on top of the monster like you're slicing down, like trying to chop its head off, basically, or wherever you hit it. Mm -hmm. But if you hit it in the head, you're that's usually where most monsters are more susceptible and do the most damage. And you Not hit necessarily. that, and, and, it, and it hits 
Also, what's going on with you in the mic stand there? Like, this thing hey, is falling off the table, oh man. and then it keeps like falling into my lap. So yeah, I'm, you had I'm a very like special <laughs> cradle on it there. I could pause the show, but uh, I'll just keep. No, nope, I'll just keep this. talking. Yeah, Casey's got this. So, but yeah, it does like. <laughs> you, you look hit, awesome right if now. You hit it perfectly. I mean, it does because uh, it hits. I think six times. So, and each one is. If you're fully sharpened and it's your spirit mirror is full, it hits like with with the weapon that I use. Like eventually in the game, it, it can do like thousands of damage. But like for me, I was using just a basic weapon and I was hitting thirty times six, so it's like one hundred and eighty damage just in that one move, which is is quite a bit. Um, with your with your guys's base attacks, how much damage were you doing? Like if you like say that it was like one of the because, like, usually it's, like, with a basic hit, it's, like, a white color, right? And then it'll be, like, yellowish or orange um, if you get, like, a better hit. Or maybe that's, like, what the uh, crit or affinity hit. I don't know if it's called actually critting. But, um, like, what what what, what what are those ranges for, like, the base attacks that you guys had for your weapons? Um, if, if I was fully sharpened and at my lowest level, I was hitting for, like, 11 12 damage uh the great sword i would range from 40 to 200 and it it really depended on where i hit the monster big slow lumbering weapon like i'd look at my hunter notes i know where i was trying to aim but ultimately it's like the monster's in front of me i'm taking a swing if it hits the front leg back leg head whatever as long as i hit it that's a win but uh with my big slow lumbering weapon i would generally be between 40 and 200 yeah i think i had a few times where i was in the 70s otherwise it was usually like um, between like 15 to like 25 for like the white hits and then the other uh, the like orange or yellow colored ones would be like in the 50s if it was a good hit well and that's the thing with the long sword though is it's still it's a fast weapon yeah you know like yeah. mine I, is not fast. my <laughs> my dps was probably like, i don't even know but like you know compared to the long sword or the uh the great sword which is it's a very slow weapon but when you hit it does a ton of damage you know, I'm able to probably my four hit combo. I could probably swing and get four hits off in the time you're hitting two. And if I'm fully maxed to that red, I'm doing more than the than the great sword probably at that point. But to get, for me to get to that level, it, it's it's hard. And with it being so quick, you probably had a lot more accuracy in where you're actually attacking the monster. Like I was yes. generally yeah. happy when I was in the middle of my combo just ahead. It's like oh yeah. good, he didn't like roll away while I was in the middle of my long slow swing. Swell. Yeah, no, that's the same with me. I mean, the hunting horn is a very slow weapon. How did combat evolve for you with the hunting horn? None of us moved off our starting weapons. We yeah. all played like 30-ish hours with this game. None of us tried a different weapon. You stuck with the hunting horn from beginning to end. Yeah, so like for the first part of like us playing this game, um, I really, I just used the same one. Like once I got, uh, I can't remember if it was like the Kuluyaku one or something like that. It was one of the earlier... Uh, monsters that you fight in like that first like one star area and I was able to get enough materials for that to build that out Um, and once I got that because it so the hunting horn basically works where you're alternating if you play if you do the same type of hit um, twice in a row um, and then you hit the right trigger it basically does a song attack 
which will then put that out as a buff or whatever or a debuff to the monster if it does something like that. Um, and so the first one that I was using, it was basically two of those attacks, or two of those were attack up and defense up. Uh, and I believe the other one was was either affinity increase or it was uh, like your stamina. I think it was infin- affinity increase because I didn't realize what affinity was until a later session. Yeah, and that's basically increasing your crit rate is basically what affinity does. And so I use that like through the first basically when we talked about this last month and um, a little bit after that. Uh, but it was as we started getting into some of the more difficult monsters, and especially with the Magnamalo, uh, that was when I started trying to mix up a lot the different weapons I was using to try to maximize what that would do against what we were fighting. And one of the first instances where we where I really saw that it was effective was when we fought the um, Rathalos, right? Not the Rathian, but the Rathalos. Mm-hmm. Um, because I took one of the weapons that had the earplugs ability, which basically made it for a short period of time, uh, you would be immune to when the monster would roar. And usually you cover your ears and, and crouch and you can't do anything. You're like stunlocked for that little bit of time. Yeah, it doesn't sound very sexy, but over the course of every monster fight, they'll roar five, six, seven yeah. times, and it's like a complete freeze on your action. So you could be mid-combo trying to line up your longsword attack. You could be in the middle of a long, slow, lumbering combo, and all of a sudden you just stand there like an idiot covering your ears because the monster roared. And Having those earplugs was a massive boon, and I missed it tremendously yeah. after that fight. Yeah, So and so a lot of like using the hunting horn then kind of comes down to picking abilities that are going to be effective against the monster that you're the, the monster that you're going either to mitigate the things that it or usually to mitigate the things that it does or just to boost you a bit um and and basically so what you do is you'll hit like so say i hit the uh b button twice and then the a button twice or well i can't remember what the exact attack buttons are but if you hit those two twice and then the other the other one twice once you do your song with the uh, right trigger, then it'll put both those buffs up. And so basically I'd alternate between um, either doing one of those, whichever one I wanted to make sure was staying up the entire time, which was usually like the two buttons together um, to kind of, that was sort of the heavy attack, I think. Um, at least that's what it seemed like for the hunting horn. So I'd always be doing that and then alternating between the single button abilities and then just keep sort of going back and forth, back and forth between those. The good thing with the hunting horn is um, even if you miss, like you're still wanting to try to chain stuff together so that you can do your song and put the buff out. Um, And then I would try to be cognizant because you'll have like uh, the party list on the left side. And I I would guess that all the buffs show up for you guys too. There's a lot of icons, but uh, I don't exactly know what they all mean, and I didn't pay a lot of attention to them. Yeah, so I got used to looking at that, So especially because there'd be times, I mean, in this game, it's easy to like, oh, i got to mine this outcrop to do this, or (laughs) I've got to run instead of riding my Palamute. Uh, And so there'd be times where I would get there ahead of everybody, and so I'd start going through my combos, and then once somebody would show up, it'd be like, okay, I want to make sure I get this out right away for them. Like, especially against the Magnamalo, I had one that was like a, a blight resistance because um, his main attack is sort of this blight that goes out there and that helped to make that not do as much damage um, so I was trying to make sure that that got out there right away um, and so it was trying to balance that as well because I knew I wasn't pumping out a lot of damage 
I'm sure my DPS wasn't amazing, but my whole like utility was trying to make you guys stronger. And was that a fun experience for you being in that more support type role? Or would you have rather just whacked away at the monster with uh, more damage focused weapon? Oh, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the hunting horn. Um, I tend to, uh, in a lot of games like that kind of support uh, role. Uh, I know like those are some of the characters when we played Gloomhaven on the tabletop that I enjoyed. Um, it's a little bit different, like if we're talking about Final Fantasy fourteen, just because there's it gets stressful being a healer from time to time, and so uh, so sometimes that's maybe a little bit too much uh, uh, weight that's on someone's shoulders. But I feel like using the hunting horn um, in, uh, in in Monster Hunter Rise was a really good balance that way. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, well, I appreciate the buffs. For my part, playing with the greatsword, I figured out my combos relatively early on, and then my combat didn't really evolve. I tried to get better at reading the monsters, positioning myself. Like, early on, it's such a struggle because you take a, a big, long swing, yeah. and suddenly you're horribly out of position. Like, if you try walking with your greatsword out, you're super slow, so trying to get back to the monster is a huge pain. And, like, unless he rolls directly into your attack, I learn to do my combo and then sheath my weapon and sprint to wherever the monster wherever I anticipate the monster is going to be and then try to unleash the combo again and hope that he runs into it like an idiot so the one thing I found that was super effective and I don't know how much you guys did, did was you guys... playing with people besides Tom that's very hurtful <laughs> no, no, I never, I never I, actually I, I never played without you other than the solo uh, village quests um, so there, how does that feel? Um, I, I feel very supported and appreciated. Thank you, Burns. Um, did you guys use the, the like, roll dodge at all? 100 all, million all billion time. times for okay. combat. Yeah. Okay, because I know <laughs> I was doing it constantly as well. Um, and sometimes that felt like the best way to get into combat. Because if you try to run, you have to sheathe your weapon in order to do that, which then... At least for my character, unsheathing it is like a huge animation that takes time, and you're probably going to get smoked if you're up on the up on the monster when you're trying to do that. I realized that as I put together our show notes and all the topics we're going to talk about, I didn't talk about gear at all. So let's talk about gear yeah. right now, based on just that dodge. Each of your piece, each monster you fight has gear that is tailored to it, and each piece of gear will have different sets that's generally themed after the monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of dodge rolling, I found an evade extender skill on various pieces of armor, and that is what I based my build around, both poison damage and dodge roll. So I basically maxed out as far as I could possibly roll because it was such an important part of the um, combat strategy for me, trying to get into position, rolling from one place to another to try to be in position to hit. What did you guys focus on when choosing your gear and leveling up your gear? Uh I would say for 66% of the time that we played until it actually started to matter, I really just was like whatever one I thought looked coolest. And that was what I was, or <laughs> yeah. whatever, whatever didn't look egregiously stupid uh, was maybe more so what it was. I was wearing the Tetradon armor for a long time because yeah. I thought it looked cool. And I decked my cat out in it too. It's like, yeah, this is cool. And then once, once I realized that how the skills work is that you choose your gear yeah. based on it, that having a matching set while aesthetically pleasing isn't necessarily the best loadout. So I wound up, I think mixed and matched across three different sets of gear to get both poison buildup and dodge experience. Well, and it's interesting because when you originally look at the, because it's there. I mean, there's so much. There's five pages that you can tab through when you have a piece of gear highlighted. Super intuitive, right? Yeah, extremely (laughs) intuitive. And so, like the first thing, and I don't remember exactly how it worked in World. Maybe you could fill it in a little bit. It's been a long time since I played World. I don't remember. But like the last tab had in like, oh, if you have 
uh, three of a set, you get plus one to all resistances. Four of a set, you get plus two. Um, and then five is, is five plus three. It's something like that. And so then I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, okay, um, so I should just be trying to put on at least one set I should have three and another set I should have two of to get like the extra resistances. And I didn't really look too deep into it. Um, and then once it got down to when we really bumped into the Magnum Allo and had to try to sort of actually think about what we were doing a little bit more. Um, that was when I started to really look at the skills and, you know, kind of like you said, the skills are on the second page of the information of the gear. And then you have to hit the right stick or left stick to bring it up, whatever the other stick is to compare it with the gear that you have on. Um, and then that's, what's going to tell you what the skills actually do. And then you have to go through all of the possible gear that you could have to try to see what all of the other pieces are to kind of figure out what it is that you're trying to add to it. Um, Super fun. Casey, you love spreadsheets. Like how was that experience for you? Did it fit with your big old brain? No, I always, no, we'll get it. I think into this a little bit, but like, yeah, it's it's super overwhelming. Yeah. Like there's just there's way way too much information, and it's super hard to absorb it all and figure it out. But um, my character and, and my um, equipment that I that I went for it was all about um, quick sheath, so sheathing and unsheathing mm-hmm. quickly, so I could do that special move effectively, like being able to quickly sheath your weapon and then go right into that combo uh, it, it was was very important um and then just maximizing damage as well damage output so increasing affinity and increasing um weapon damage overall like that was that was the most important so so when when i first started actually looking at the skills and like what gear i needed to do it's like every single one that it's like i really like the look of this or this is the one that i have the materials to make all of them said quick sheath on it i'm like god damn casey <laughs> why do we have to the this crap and not me i guess god dang it the barrio so much <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say speaking about that that same topic i mean if you have the time to sit there and dig around and try to like sort of think about it you can do that your best bet's probably just to look it up online because there's websites that'll on wikis that'll basically say for early game this is the gear you should be wearing for the weapon that you use for mid game late game this is the gear you should be wearing for the weapon that you use and that's going to be your easiest way to do it so that you don't have to sit there and comb through all of the possible permutations I hate doing that. Like, Casey, I know that you did it for this game, but, like, for me, like, I want to jump into a game and, like, fiddle with all the stuff and see what I can figure out. And, like, this is just Monster Hunter as a franchise is just a little bit involved for how I like to interact with games. Which I think is awesome if you can do Mm -hmm. that, but we're on a truncated timetable. We don't have a whole lot, you know, and it's so much information. Like, in order for me to do that and, like, figure out, like I would have probably never figured out that the sheathing and unsheathing was the most important thing for the longsword, because it sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you're never gonna think that. So well, I probably would have gone for more like elemental boosts and things like that, which I think is actually what I'm supposed to do more end game. But like in the beginning, it's it's something completely different, yeah, and, and I never would have figured that out. And I have no idea if my poison build was effective or not. But it's like this is a unique angle that I can go down and. 
when I do get poisoned up on a monster, the yeah. damage keeps ticking away, and so it's like, all right, well, I will do that until I figure out something better. Well, I, I mean, that's clutch. Like, so, because that's when I first started looking things up was when we kind of, when we got stuck on the Magnamala, right? And so it's not just looking up, like, the gear that you should be wearing as a base to make your weapon, like, your to maximize your weapon abilities, but it's also then what do you have to use to damage the monster? And... You can dig through the five pages on each monster once you fought it and learned about about it to try and to determine what its weaknesses are. Let's stop right there for one second. <laughs> the five pages that you may or may not have on the monster, which isn't always consistent between mm-hmm. hub quests and village quests. So, like, oh, yeah. when we were playing, I had fought a Rathalos in village quests and, like, had my hunter info filled out. But when we were playing the hub quest, like, I went to that page. It's like, all right, I already fought a Rathalos, so let's see where I'm supposed to hit this thing. There was nothing. It was like an undiscovered <laughs> monster. It's like, oh, well, this is bullcrap because I've I've already fought multiple Rathaloses, but apparently that knowledge just doesn't carry over from book to book. Well, and I wonder if because I created the game for multiplayer, if it was using mine instead of yours because I hadn't fought a Rathalos before we played on multiplayer. Possibly, but if sure. so, that's stupid, right? Like, that's just... You would think, but, um, you know, <clears throat> I, I feel like... The multiplayer was much more streamlined in Rise than it was in World. It felt like there were so many other barriers that you had to constantly get around or coordinate in World. Um, it's funny that you called it streamlined with the issues that we had with it, but let's dive into that yeah. a little bit later. Okay. Um, in part one, we talked a lot about the challenges of onboarding in this game. We've <laughs> rolled over into that here with another month of experience. Bernsey, how well do you have your head wrapped around the totality of Monster Hunter Rise? Uh, I would say... 40% maybe uh, there's still a batch of functions that I haven't even like I haven't even really looked into like how they work so the Argosy and sending a uh, one of your pals pals off to to do that stuff um, <clears throat> like crafting a lot of different weapon or items and which ones you should be trying to craft and like using buff potions and stuff like that. Like I just, I you told me to do it sometimes and I would craft the stuff and then I would remember to use it once or twice and that was about it, you know. Um, I haven't unlocked the submarine yet, which I heard is another interesting little way to f- try to find different items. Interesting. I just unlocked it yesterday or today and I sent uh, my cat out on it, but for me it was just another trading vessel. So like I didn't notice anything different or any new options with it. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure. I... I had heard somebody was talking about it. Somebody in my Final Fantasy fourteen free company was talking about it um, and sort of like it unlocks some different things that you can do. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what any of that is. The arena, I never did anything with the arena. I really didn't look at the ramp up abilities because we only really did the what? One solo rampage and the one, well, two one and a half group rampages because there's the one that's a tutorial and then there's another one that you have to do, I think. Um, and um, I'm sure there's more that I'd never really even like paid attention to because it's just, it's just there's so many other things to focus on and try to like maximize for what you're specifically doing. Um, I, I think some of the other things are cool, like the talisman stuff where you basically say that you want to... You want to create a talisman that's for an ability that's usually one of the skills that's added on your gear. <clears throat> and it's basically a gear slot that you can use specifically for that. So that you don't... So if you're basically keeping one piece of gear 
So, for for instance, one of the abilities for the hunting horn is the horn maestro, which basically is an amplification of everything that you do with a hunting horn. So I could free up a gear slot by having a talisman and just using that um, instead of having to use that gear for that, and I can just get another skill on there. And so, um, and that's also a good way for those skills where you can have multiple levels of it to try to boost the levels up if you don't have access to gear that's really going to get that up there. So, like, that's cool. Um, there, so there's, there's, I mean, there's just so much. There's so much in this game uh, to Casey, try to keep keep straight. I assume that you stayed up for four days in a <laughs> row and read everything ever printed and published on the internet about Monster Hunter Rise. <clears throat> Tell us about every one of the intricate systems and how they overlay each other. Well, there's just so much that I actually did not have enough time to do any of that. <laughs> like, everything that I watched was more or less just on effectively kicking butt as a longsword wielder so that's <laughs> so i put all my my attention and focus into figuring out how to how to use the longsword how to properly equip myself to use the longsword um and there's you know right now i you know i have enough of the basics down and i and i can kill monsters really quickly now which is something i haven't it wasn't able to do before. i mean not that quickly well sure i i I mean, if I'm racing you to the thing, I bet we're probably pretty equal, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Eight minutes is pretty efficient. Yeah, but I like to explore first, and you guys know that. Like, the first thing we do when we go in is I go sideways, and I start collecting. I thought that was just because you didn't know how the map worked. <laughs> well, there were lots of instances of that there, as there, well. There was some of that, too, but I do. I like to go, like and time I like to. We were fighting the monster, and you were back at home base. And you're yes. like, what? Wait, where are you guys? Aren't you right here? No, you're that color this time. Yeah, that's another issue is that your color constantly changes. So I'm like, oh, my God. But anyway, like, you know, basics-wise, combat-wise, I'm totally fine. But like Joey, there's so many different things in this game that I... Like, I have not been able to effectively capture a monster. I've tried multiple times. I went through the tutorial. I was able to do it in the tutorial, but the monsters there are so weak. Like, it's when you're yeah. actually out in the wild trying to do it, it's a, just a completely different different beast. Um, yeah, like crafting and, and, like, using the different bombs and traps. And, um, like, for me, like the, that Hunter book, it might as well be written in Chinese. Like, I've flipped through that thing, and I can't, I can't understand. Like, I don't know if the monster, like, all the different symbols and stuff that are in there. I'm yeah. like, does this mean it is weak to that? Does this mean that I should be attacking it with that? Does this mean that it uses that and that I should, like, be, like, boosting my defense yeah. to that? Like, I'm like, I have no idea what any of this means. Interesting. The only page that I really used in the Hunter's Notes was just the page that broke down the damage that you do per weapon per, like, area on the monster. So are you talking about, like, the Hunter's Notes where you would see, like, the large monsters, small monsters, endemic life? Or are you talking about the Hunter Info, which was, like, the long list of the tutorial text, basically, that you could relook at. No, so like you'd go into the book and you could like pick out large monsters. So okay. say I was fighting something, and then it would have like the different body parts, and you could click on it. But then there was like a list of all the different elements or whatever, and I have no idea if that meant like, like I said, I don't know if that means that it was weak to those things. I don't know if it meant that I that it, you know use those attacks so like i'd look at it and be like all right i'm gonna look go look at this and then i'll go eat a bunny dango to see if i can buff myself <laughs> right and i'm like i'd look at it and i go 
I got no idea what the hell I'm doing. So I would just go and I would just eat the same three that I always get because I have no idea. Now, we have uncovered on this segment that you hold the controller wrong and we accept you. We love you. But do you like hang from the ceiling when you play too? Or like, do you have any other quirks when you're gaming or? No. They should just make the book a heck of a lot more clear to read. Yeah, I think I remember the page that you're talking about. I think that shows its um, strengths and weaknesses versus all the different elements. But I also didn't know how to... Like, I'd look at the poison one specifically. I'm like, oh, two bars for poison. Is that good or bad? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't those know are my either. skills, so <laughs> I hope probably, it's bad. You probably needed to go into the option above it in the menu, which was the hunter info. But it's like, so I have a problem where if there's like random notifications where oh, it's like, I hate hey, those. look at this, and it's just like, that that bothers me to know. And the good thing about that is at least you don't have to go through and clear out all those exclamation points. Because yeah, <laughs> you finish the tutorial, you get out of the tutorial, and it's like, oh, Hunter Info is flagged. You go in, it's like, long list, exclamation point on it, like, it's like 20 different items, and it scrolls downward, so there's more than that, and it's just like... Uninstall. How am I going to even start with this? <laughs> so I luckily every time you come back to town and you go into there, or basically after you load, you go into there. If you click into it and come back out, it'll get rid of the exclamation point on the main page. But even on the hunter notes, I would go through and basically just go in, scroll down so it highlighted everything so that it said that it was red because it's just like that's not when I need that information is after I like unlocked it. So it's more so just. But Burns, they worked hard to put that information into the game for you. Like, how could you disregard that and do that disservice? Um, it's not a narrative, idiot. No, because ultimately it's because I don't, like, after I just fought the monster, I don't need that information. I need that information when I'm going to fight the monster, right? So it doesn't really matter to me what the stuff I just killed is weak to, because I don't know when I'm going to have to go attack that thing again. You know, because... All of the for all of the quests that you have to do, whether it's the village quests or the hub quests, to uh, for that like tier of quests, uh, it's all different monsters. So it's not like you're refighting the same monsters over and over to progress. You're always fighting a different monster. So it's like, all right, well, I fought that one. It's it's in the past. I gotta get ready for this other one, you know. And so that that's the thing about it is it's just. It's flagging me to look at this information after I need it, which isn't useful or helpful. I almost wonder if, like, we missed the point of Monster Hunter. Like, we were trying to push things forward, raise our Hunter rank, get into the harder level fights, and keep progressing. But so much of what I understand the hook to be of Monster Hunter is, like, picking the gear that you want, grinding out that monster, fighting it multiple times, getting better at killing it. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to go fight the next phallic monster but and if, uh, move on. If that's what the game wants you to do, then the game doesn't tell you to do that right the game doesn't incentivize you to do that the game basically is telling you you have a list of six monsters to move on you got to kill four of them basically on separate quests for each one you can't do like the expedition expedition and just kill them as they spawn you know and so it's like that that's not what the game's telling you to do if that's the point of it and so then it would be one of those things where it's like if there was certain gear that i wanted and we had fought one of the things in the hub quest when i was doing the village quest it's like oh okay i'll pick that i'll kill that hopefully get enough gear um that i need for this um and, and a bunch of the time you're making gear for like a certain type of monster so like the 
um, say it's like the the Rathalos or whatever, or the Rathian or, or any of them, um, sometimes you need just random things off of other monsters to make that gear too. And, and so it's not even just completely encompassing that one. And, and so sometimes there was one or two times where I just did an expedition to try to kill a couple of those things um, to get that. Or it's like when we needed to choose something, I would you know, say, oh, well, let's go to this one because then I can kill this thing to get the gear that I need or that I want. So I don't know if that's what they're saying, you're, how, you're, how you're supposed to play it. Uh, and I think as you get like to later levels, there's uh, quests where you have to fight multiple monsters. There's at least uh, the only time I saw that was an arena quest, I think, in the village quest where there's two monsters in the arena and you have to take them both on at once. Got it. I see. So I never did any of I never did any of those. So I did one in this game. I did quite a few in World. In World, I just really liked because like you don't have to do any of the running around. You don't have to gather en- any endemic life. Like you drink your potion, you jump into the arena. There's the monster. Go at it. So speaking of onboarding, and one of the things that we didn't really have in the notes in here um, were the rampages. Um, and if you fight the rampages, in I'm the glad hub you brought quest, this up. Um, and don't do the village quest first. You really have no effing clue what you're supposed to be doing. Well, they just dump you in. And, like, <laughs> generally in Monster Hunter, like, you're out in the environment. You have to find this monster. You track this monster. You fight the monster. The monster runs away. You go track it down in its new spot, and you fight the monster. The rampage quest is completely different. Yeah. Like, you're defending this fortress, and these monsters are jumping over your walls, and you have to, like, set up. It's tower it's, defense yeah. meets Monster Hunter. Yep. Yeah. Which is an interesting concept, but there were a bunch of tools, and we jumped into this, and we didn't know how the frick any of them worked. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, if I flick this switch, a bunch of spikes come out and rotate and <laughs> would attack things if anything was there when I pulled it, but there weren't, you know? But then, but then, yeah, if you do the village quest that does the rampage, it, like, walks you through everything. In, in excruciating detail. detail. <laughs> and so, so, yeah, some of the pieces it's really beneficial to do before you do multiplayer, um, which is just another sort of thing that's helping to show that really you're supposed to do the village quests and that's basically a tutorial um for when you go out uh, into the into the real world and be a big boy monster hunter um when you do the hub quests yeah hub quests uh before we get into my issues with hub quests uh and questionable decision they made with this game that i want to discuss revolves around the story in the single player mode or under village quest your first five quests or your first five star quests are against magnamalo when you beat them the credits roll game over right right i beat this game yeah i saw the credits game over no you still have a crap load of quests to complete burns you live and die by narrative so did you hate this game with a burning fiery passion or what well so when you texted you texted us and you're like, I just beat Monster Hunter Rise. And I was like, ha ha ha, right, Tom. Right. And he's like, I saw credits. I was just like, yeah, at the end of the village stuff, like like I said. All no, I've just seen, in the middle of it. That's fine. <clears throat> all I've seen online <laughs> is that everybody has always said the village quests are basically a glorified tutorial for the game and that the majority of the game is all in the hub quests. And, you know, that's exemplified by the fact that your hunter rank doesn't go up at all from what you do in the village quest, unless somehow it does after you get past the credits and stuff like that. But I don't think so. Not that I saw. So it's all based like the whole game is based around the hub quests. Uh, As far as the story, I feel like they mix in the right amount of story to give you the idea of why it is you need to be fighting the urgent battles that you need to fight. The other stuff, it's just like, oh, okay, there's the, here's these marks to go out and fight 
Um, and then you'll get like I, I, w- one of the best ways to use side quests in games is to you know use that as an opportunity to kind of give you some story information about the characters that you're around, right? Um, and so I think I think Monster Hunter Rise does a pretty good job of that. Like you'll have your certain groups of people that are going to be the ones that give you side quests more often than not. And then you have their doppelgangers in the gathering hub. Right. But not even that. It's like, (laughs) there's just people that are around town, right. That'll have you, they'll have like a blue text over their head. That's basically saying, Hey, I need parts and stuff like that. And then they'll usually, once you bring it back, they're like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I really like making all these different random weapons for the Palamutes because they're, they're my favorite and blah, blah, blah. And my dad made the, I don't know, whatever. And I couldn't press a fast enough. <laughs> I mean, it was fun to read the stuff. Um, Disagree. Go on. The, the focus wasn't necessarily on the focus wasn't necessarily on the story, but I feel like there was enough there that at least intrigued me about what was going on and like the area and like the setting of the game, uh, which I think, I think was pretty fulfilling. And then when you get to the end of the uh, quests and, you know, spoiler alert, uh, elder Fugin gives you his, his sword to basically say, you know, you're the, you're the leader now. Um, like I thought that was a cool, a cool moment, especially when you go talk to the quest maiden, after that and she's just like oh he gave you a sword oh my um and he said it was really heavy <laughs> i mean well it's like well you you it's like the longest it's a long, long sword, sword. Yeah. Yeah. it's like the longest long sword i don't know how anybody could do anything with that why'd you point to casey when you said that well because no, i use the long sword. Use the long sword that's why oh no. so you could actually oh. like you guys could use it too but uh, it's not the <laughs> weapon that you guys have been playing with the whole time so it'd be very weird for you to learn how to play the long sword but yeah that's a sword that I will be able to use eventually. It's kind of funny that... No, you won't. You're never going back to this game, Casey. True. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Excuse me. I didn't think that there was much of this... I didn't think there was a ton to the story, but I thought it was fine. Like, weird place for credits to roll just like in Uh the middle of uh, all the stuff that you have to do, but okay, that's fine. That's the boss monster. You look cool. I'm guessing the reason is is because what percentage of people are going to get to whatever they deem is finishing the game hunter rank 100 or whatever it might be the hunter like, ranks really go up to 100 well, didn't brian say he was like at hunter rank like 130 or something like that brian says a lot of stuff i, I think he said something like that when we were talking <laughs> about it whatever podcast that was and so no so that yeah. was part one and he uh like he also admitted that he put in like 1342 million billion hours in yes. the game yeah he, he he played it quite a bit yeah um here Let's get into it, Birds. My biggest gripe with this game and the biggest challenge that I had with Monster Hunter Rise is I believe that this game fails to balance well with less than four players. And I have zero interest with playing with strangers on the internet. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I don't have three other friends. It's just you guys. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) At least on the Xbox. So, like, am I crazy for thinking that this, what I perceive as a lack of balance for less than optimal player count detracts from the experience. Well, first off, this game desperately needed cross-play. Yeah. Like, yeah, that'd be nice. It would be so nice. And granted, I bet you it would be cross-play with, like, between PC and, like, Xbox and PlayStation. Because I know, like, Switch <coughs> multiplayer <laughs> has its constraints. Um, but I actually, I don't agree with you. I, I do think it scales. W- where we ran into the biggest difficulty was Magnamalo. 
And Magna Malo was supposed to be that kind of difficulty spike. Oh, yeah, you thought that you were getting good at the game? Ha, 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 you're not. Um, and that's when, because th- that's when we all had to go back and look at, oh, okay, how can I optimize my skills? Um, what type of damage do we need to do against this guy that he's susceptible to? How to can I teach Casey him? to read the map? Yeah, and how can <laughs> how can we how can we try to mitigate the type of damage? Because we were trying to figure out what kind of damage it did, and we guessed a couple of times. Like, is it fire? Is it dragon? Nope, it's none of those. Yeah, apparently purple equals blight. Who yeah, knew? Yeah, um, but you know, a quick quick internet search helped me figure that out at least um but then the first time we beat it we beat it as a duo and then we beat it as a trio and so i i feel like the game is balanced it's just like if you look at the threat value because each of the monsters has a threat value up until that point everything we fought was like four one of them i think like i think i think rathalos was a five star threat and the magnamalo is like eight or nine stars yeah it's max stars so it's supposed to be much more difficult than the other things probably to do to us what it did to us where it's like you guys should really start thinking a little bit more strategically instead of just murder hoboing and just smack 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 um and that was successful so i i actually don't agree with you uh with your assertion well my counterpoint taking magnamalo out of the equation yep. fighting uh the pookie pookie as a village quest versus fighting the Pookie Pookie as a hub quest, it was a tremendously different experience because, like, it each of the monsters that I fought in village quests, oh, like, yeah. I generally wrap those up in eight minutes on yeah. the quick end, 15 minutes on the extreme long mm-hmm. end for me. But if I were to jump into hub quests at any player count, it is significantly oh, yeah. uh, more of an yeah. endurance battle with those monsters. So, I, I that's more of my issue with saying that this game doesn't scale particularly well. Maybe it's that they didn't balance village quests versus hub quests all that well, but like the two experiences seemed vastly different for me, and it seemed like when we had more more players, more firepower, it just uh, became more tenable. I agree with you 100% that the village quests are way too easy. Um, like until the only one I think I fainted on was Magnamalo. Um, that is the only one I fainted on. Um, and actually, the first time I fought him solo, I, I like fainted out and had to go back in. Um, but I, I ultimately, I think that comes down to the fact that it's supposed to be the tutorial, um, and 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 that's it. Now, granted, the game doesn't specifically say that, but I think that's the I think that's the point of it. If the single player was just the tutorial, truly, like I'm a hard pass on Monster Hunter Rise. Like yeah. I had fun playing with you guys. I really enjoyed playing as a group, and I'm glad we had this experience. But I am primarily a solo player and things. Yeah. So if something is a complete multiplayer experience, if it's not Overwatch, not interested. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think, and that's why I think why they did things that way as opposed to Monster Hunter World, where every quest you could do solo or for however many players you could have, um, and it's supposedly scaled. That game was still really hard solo if you weren't like. So I think the game was still trying to get you to play multiplayer through that, um, and so this game it was just like okay well let's just take that part out of the equation which is why the village quests don't matter other than rolling the credits um Mm -hmm. and learning the basic abilities of different things that happen like aside from that like that stuff doesn't build your hunter rank you can you can get armor and stuff you can get materials to build armor but you you don't make as much money on the village quests as you do playing on the multiplayer quests at all um and, and so 
like the game is supposed to be multiplayer and i agree with you i don't want to play this game with randoms um i would rather play it multiplayer um and so that's why the game doesn't probably have as much mileage for me as it does for someone like brian like you need to specifically have like that three three other people or at least two other people that it's like we're gonna play this game every thursday you know from nine until midnight um, for like the next two years and that's how you get the most out of monster hunter if you play it any other way that's just you're just probably not going to get that experience then you're it. just doing it wrong and it sucks for you casey you came into this game not burdened by any memories or expectations for monster hunter world or any other touch point in this franchise what was that uh disparity between the village quest and the hub quest like for you um, I didn't necessarily mind. Yeah, go ahead. You were a tough sob, and you like took down a large monster hub quest all by your onesie without Burnsy and me by your side. I didn't do that, Burns. I don't think you did. I that. I never attempted it. What? What? Which monster was it? Uh, I honestly, I don't even remember. But... I think it was the Kula Yuka. Was it the one with the uh, the bird with the mohawk and the rock? It might have been. Yeah. So it wasn't like a super challenging one, but. I mean, it was still like Hard. fairly early on when I didn't really know what the heck I was doing at that point in time either, which is like why I attempted a hub quest all by myself, which <laughs> I shouldn't have done. But I mean, I had to go through a lot of potions in order to get that that done. Um, but you know, I didn't. I don't necessarily mind the the difficulty ramp, um, just because it, they're made for multiple people. Mm-hmm. So you should. If everybody knows what they're doing, and that's, I think like, we were getting to that point. Like by the end of this, I, th- I think we all had a pretty good grasp on our characters, how to effectively use our weapons, and, and take these monsters down. Uh, um, even the you know, the, the Magnamalo, none of us fainted. I don't think during that fight, right? I don't think like when I no, was, it got me once, didn't it? Did it get you once? I think so. Yeah, it got that me last time. Yeah. Okay, so one one faint against. Which supposed to be, you know, it was the hardest monster that we fought. Yeah. And after that, we attempted one or two more after that. And I don't think any of us fainted in that one either. Um, so, I mean, th- it, yeah, they're, they're, they are difficult. I don't I don't like that the game forces you to play multi- multiplayer to increase your, your hunter rank. Uh, I looked it up. I by, hate it with a burning, fiery passion. Yeah. <laughs> I looked it up, by the way. Max hunter rank is 999. So there you go, yeah. <laughs> So here's we're the, here's, three. It was we're hunter rank three at thirty it, hours. It was seven, and then in April they maybe when Sunbreak came out. I don't know when Sunbreak came out, that, but yeah. they got rid of like the cap, and now the max is nine hundred and ninety nine. So think of how long it would take you to get to that. <laughs> Brian has. Well, it'll take me all of eternity, and what comes after? Because I'm probably never playing this game again. I will say though, if the max is seven and we're at it was three, seven, but yeah. I know, but like yeah. for the base game, like I actually don't feel so bad with like what we. I was going off of like what Monster Hunter World was, and I played about the same amount of time in World, and we were like at Hunter Rank Eight or something like that, I believe. And so I was just like, we're still at two. What in the world? Like, what are we not doing right? Well, I think it scales to, or not scales, but that's your hunter rank goes up when you move on. So now, yeah, you know, when you go from a four star monster to a five star monster, you're going to be yeah, HR five, and so on and so forth. So I don't know if you have nine hundred and ninety nine tier level monsters that you end up fighting eventually too. Like that would just be seem impossible to me. Like if the monsters also continue to increase in difficulty, which they must in order to make it challenging to mm-hmm. you, you're not just gonna like 
steamroll a level seven yeah. monster when you're 999 rank. But well, I don't know. And, and like Brian, I know Brian had said that when we were talking about it that like you you everybody needs to know what they're doing um, when you're in some of those higher higher ranked fights. He also said you need a full party that you're not yeah. you're just not going to do it with less yeah. than four players. I'm like, oh okay, I'll just never play the high end hunts. Okay, but he also said that there's definitely some like broken builds that you can use that are just like just shatter even some of the tougher monsters. Um, so so I mean, there's ways around it. Um, if you know, if we had another month or two months to keep playing this game, we would maybe get to. Not to that level, but we'd, we'd probably continue to improve and continue to find gear that's going to allow us to do more and more. Um, and maybe figure out some of the, you know, smattering of other systems that we would <laughs> take a look at. So, I don't know. It's, it, it's, 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 it's an interesting game. And, like, it's been long enough since I've played Monster Hunter World that I don't fully remember a lot about that. Um, and so... Rise, I think, was still like a fulfilling experience for me. Yeah, it was fun to kill the monsters. Casey, I know you struggled with crafting traps and bombs. Did the sheer number of systems take away from this experience for you? Um, no. I mean, thankfully, you know, it bothers me that I don't have a grasp <clears throat> on some of those things after playing this game for 25 plus hours, but it doesn't take away from the overall fun of the game. I mean, at its core, it's it's a monster slaying game. I'm still able to go into a battle and use my weapon effectively to kill monsters. And that's what this game is really all about. Are there maybe some more effective ways I could be doing it? Yes. And I'm probably never going to get to that point, sadly, because I don't ever get to go back and play uh-huh. games. But it's it, it doesn't take away from the overall fun experience that I had with this game. So on that point, um, question for the group. If we were to go back and play one of the multiplayer-focused games that we've played for this segment... Outriders. So Outriders, Avengers, and this, what would be your choice? Man, it's really close between this and Outriders for me. I mean, if Avengers worked, <laughs> I'd be somewhat interested. Well, multiplayer but... worked. It was your solo progression that got borked. Multiplayer worked dish. <laughs> Single player completely bugged out and broken, couldn't progress in, so that game is dead to me forever. But like, multiplayer was not flawless in its execution either. Well, and I do think that that multi. I think the game is dead now too because uh. you know Square Enix sold that studio, and I don't know. Maybe the game servers are still up. I think I could be wrong. I'm not sure, but. It's definitely not. I don't think they're adding content to it anymore. I could be wrong on that too. I guess I don't know. But no, they they they're doing something because Gavin, <clears throat> my youngest, just he was watching YouTube videos or something like that, and he went back into it and he said dropped a thousand dollars. No, and... he no. They made everything free <laughs> just yeah, to unlock Hawkeye. Every every all all the content that yeah, anymore. it's completely really? free now. So huh. like all the stuff. So he went back into it to like. You know, get all the cool stuff that he wasn't able to get before, and then continue through the story mode and, and beat it because he wanted, like, he knew that it, you know, whatever he watched, he knew that it wasn't going to be supported and stuff anymore. So, so he just did that. I think he beat it a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Outriders is a lot of fun. Outriders was. I think fun. right and now, now off I, Game Pass, we can never go back to it. I know. I think we I'm. Buy uh, it. <laughs> can never go back to it. <laughs> It's probably dirt cheap. Can never go back to it. Too. Um, I would choose Rise, probably. Yeah, I think it's fresh in my mind, and I had a ton of fun playing with you guys. So like right now, I want to say Rise, but Outriders was a blast. I'm kind of done with Rise. 
It was fine. I got the gist of that yeah. from our discussion <laughs> and from the notes. <laughs> well, before I dive into my burning hatred for this game, we barely touched on pets last time. You oh, have yeah. Palicos and Palamutes that battle by your side. In single-player village quests, you can bring up to two pets on your journeys or two pals on your journeys. In hub quests, you only bring one. You can train your pets at the dojo between missions, send them on missions together to gather resources, and have them trade for specific resources. What strategies did you employ with your pets, Casey? Um, so I, you know, always had four of my kitty cats flying off to distant lands, gathering the meow scenarios. Yeah, fun what, name. That was, mm-hmm. that was yeah. good. Uh, so, so I would set them to get like if there was a certain piece of armor that I was trying to uh, craft. Like I was trying to get them get the materials from that or. Um, my secondary thing was just simple things for making like health potions because I, my character goes through a lot of health potions when I'm in multiplayer and don't have my my cat <laughs> set for for heal mode. Which my uh, that was the palico is the cat yeah. I believe right the palamute is the dog. So yeah, the yeah. palico I always had set to a, a healing support, and then my palamute was um, an attack and I had it stay close to me because it also was set to debuff. So if I was ever stunned, it would come in and, and unstun me. Oh, there were settings for that. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah there were different skills. You could kind of tailor what your pets did based I, on their, I knew there were archetype. for the cats. I did not know there were for the Palamutes, though. So yeah, sometimes okay. it would be busy attacking, and I would get stunned, and I would still get my butt rocked no matter what. But like, there were plenty of times where my my Palamute would come in and and save me. <laughs> Wasn't that the most frustrating thing in this game? And I'm not crabbing at the game for this, but like, you get stunned, like the monster is on you. Like yeah. you're watching your health tick down. Like you can't drink a potion because you're just standing there stunned like an idiot. It's like, oh my god, oh somebody draw aggro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. A lot it's of close that, calls. That helpless, helpless feeling. There was there was a few times in, in some of those final fights like Magnamalo and Rathalos and stuff like that. Like the time we played Rathalos as a duo and I didn't change my weapon, so it was still that the was fun. I was using yeah, that was great. Yeah, and I, I fainted three times and we lost. <laughs> and it was just one of those things where it's like I went in. There was two times where I maybe had a tenth of my health down. And then the Rathalos attacked me, poisoned me, stunned me, then killed me. And it's just like, okay, well, I had no option there. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple times with Magnamalo where I was like three quarters health and it just like bum rushed me with that stupid charge attack. It's like, oh, all right, well, I just cost us a third of our reward. It was I basically, I got used to the fact that if I couldn't see the monster, I was spamming roll. <laughs> and it seemed to work pretty well because... There was a lot of times where I thought the thing should have hit me and it didn't. Um, and there's also some lucky timing where you can get hit and then the creature will do like a big attack and not hit you because you're on the ground. Uh, there's a couple of times where Magnamala was like, oh, he's going to finish me. And then he, I was laying on the ground that I wasn't getting up and it went over the top of me and huh. didn't hit me. And I was just like, oh, I guess I lucked out here. <laughs> Run away. Drink potion. Drink potion. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brent, how'd you set up your uh, pals for success? So the two that you create when you create your character, those are the ones that were with me. And even though you could only use one of them in there, I didn't do anything with the other one when we were out. I went and hi- hired two of the buddies, two of each type of buddy, to send off on the meowcenary stuff. Um, and that was it. And it was basically just like I'd check in on them once they were available to pull everything. I'd pull it and then send them off somewhere else to try to get the things. Um, my my uh, 
my Palico was set up to heal um, because that's I, that's just mostly what you need, especially when you're fighting solo and doing village quests. I always had the dog because it's so much easier to get around by just riding the dog instead of. It was hard not having the dog. I always had my healing cat with me, which was super useful. And it like, was helpful. You guys benefited from the healing too, but man, being so slow, like the monster runs off, it's like, oh man, like, I'm gonna burn all my stamina sprinting over to this other place, and then I'm gonna have to like eat a steak while you guys engage the monster, which is like super fulfilling. And uh, healing cat was great, and I eventually maxed it out at level twenty. Uh, but for me, I didn't do much different from you guys. I had one pup trading for mite seeds that fed my potion engine. And uh, then after I unlocked the submarine, I had a cat go out to get the seeds that I need for my armor potion. Yeah. Thoughts and advice for new players. Casey, your first video game, what would you tell? Well, your brother already <laughs> plays. What would you tell your mom if she started playing Monster Hunter Rise? Uh, just don't get overwhelmed by the sheer insane amount of windows and tutorials and information that is thrown at you in the first 30 minutes and then throughout the game. Like, it's still, you know, four-star village quests in. I'm still getting tutorials and stuff that pop up like, mm -hmm. like crazy. So don't be overwhelmed by that. And then... Figure out what weapon you want to use, practice with it, get good at it, and you know the rest is going to come to you eventually. Yeah, I'd say the first thing you should do um, once you can actually move around and do stuff is you should go to the training area, try out a few of the different weapons to see which one like jives with you the most. Um, and yeah, focus on just using that weapon and trying to get better at it. If you don't like it, you can swap into something different. Um, and so... Uh, you know, I would recommend if you don't know what something is to look it up online. You could try to dig around through the <clears throat> tutorials. Some of them are really well written and are easy to understand what it's saying. Um, some of them are not as clear or not as in-depth as they need to be. And, and some of the things I don't even know are really, especially the intricacies of certain weapons, I don't think are really explained much at all. Like, you can find ones that show you what all the different pieces of the HUD mean, but nothing that really fully explains anything about exactly how you should manage your weapon usage so i'd recommend that and then um i mean if you're just playing it on game pass like you could just play the village quests and get what you want out of it and then quit the game like you're out no money you're just out the what <coughs> that'd probably take 10 12 hours to get through all the village stuff i mean first time playing monster hunter probably longer than that just the village stuff not doing any of the hub stuff I think you're still on the conservative side of that estimate. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it would take that much longer because I think the majority of the time of our 30, 31 hours that we played, I think the majority of that time was spent like prepping for like hub quests and going on hub quests and coming back and going through. And, and waiting for Casey in between missions <laughs> well, and then waiting for the Xbox One to load. <laughs> yeah, well, there was that too. There was definitely that. Um, super light. The load screens on the Series S and Series X super fast. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I would recommend if you're going to play the hub quest and maybe you're, maybe you are fine with playing with random people online. I don't know if that would be a very good way to learn the game though. Um, I think the best way to learn is if you haven't played before, try to play with somebody that kind of knows the game. Because hey. I think that helped got, get you over that initial hump, Casey. 
with you uh, just going on one mission with us and us explaining all the different pieces of it to you as you were doing it. Yeah, it absolutely did. And like just you guys saying like make sure you go to this person first and get your you, get, your, get your side quests and and here's your bone pile. armor is here's right the there. Honey. And yeah. Here's a, you know, yeah, exactly. Like that that you was need a that was a massive yeah, that was a massive help <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure. You need a quarterback and my advice is to play Monster Hunter World. I don't see. I, th- I that's an old game at this point. I don't think that. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's cause that's probably not on Game Pass either. No, probably so if not. Dish out twenty bucks for an old game that maybe some people are still playing. Maybe some people aren't. Most likely, you're not going to get three other people or two other people to jump into a game that's a decade old at this point. Holy cow! Is it that old? It might not be a decade, but it was at least. I think when I played it was 2017 and it had been out for a while. Hmm. So it's 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 an old game, man. That is uh that is wild to wrap my head around. But my point is just that I don't think that the multiplayer is a great experience for a first time player unless you have a quarterback or multiple quarterbacks on. So I don't as contained a package as Monster Hunter Rise is without any familiarity at all with monster with a, with Monster Hunter like uh I like the single player a lot better in World and. I don't know. If you don't have a quarterback, I really, really encourage people to play World Over Rise. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll agree to disagree on that. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> speaking of agreeing and disagreeing, we're going to change the format of OIO Game Pass Forever. This That's a very smooth transition. <laughs> yeah, well, I forgot to put it in the show notes, so I just wrote Game Club yeah. <laughs> in pen on my notes so that I remember to bring it up at this point. So OIO Game Pass Forever... I've loved doing this segment, and I love doing the show with you two specifically, but uh, performance-wise, it hasn't really taken off. One of the reasons that I chose this format was that I was hoping Xbox would eventually notice and at least hook us up with some free Game Pass, which doesn't seem that unreasonable since we're promoting their games every single month. That hasn't happened. The show hasn't... The segment hasn't really taken off the way that I wanted to, and I'm always looking for new ways to engage our patrons. So we're going to pivot a little bit. OIO Game Pass Forever. We're going to go through our next game, which we'll announce in just a moment. We'll do our end-of-the-year ranking show, and that'll be our final Game Pass Forever segment. Uh, And then, starting with the new year, we're going to start doing OIO Game Club, which will have a similar premise. Casey, Joey, and me will still be talking about video games every other month with a check-in midway between. Uh, But it's going to be cross-platform we're not necessarily tied to the xbox it's the it's the console that casey owns or the platform that casey owns but we're gonna at least consider like multi-platform games to try to allow more of the oio community to take a part in these conversations specifically patrons anyone that is a paid supporter of outside is overrated will be invited to be on mic with us for any of the game pass or uh, game club episodes yeah and i don't know that this is something that because we've had I, i think a lot of the discussions we've had kind of that led up to this have been on air at different points of you know and maybe some of it was in like uh, unfiltered so patrons would have only heard that but like one of the big difficulties we ran into which is why we did what we did with rise was that a lot of those bigger meteor games we would just scratch the surface of them and that was actually changing how people were voting on certain things like that's why that's why a couple people didn't vote for Persona because they're like, you won't even get through the tutorial and then talk about the game and decide if it's good or bad or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and so, like, needing a mechanism to have more time to devote to a specific game, to have a little bit more 
uh, in-depth discussion, I think, is is beneficial. And it helped with, I think it helped with Rise. I think it helped tremendously with Rise. And I don't mean for this to be a cop-out. We do need more time for the games. And we're going to do that monthly check-in so we still have, like, a deadline so we're playing the games. But in reality, uh, Casey and I are both parents. All three of us work full-time jobs. We all have commitments. We have the main show that we do, which is generally a lot of prep work every single month. Burns is almost always on that show with me. Casey's on it sometimes. We have Tom and Joy Unfiltered, another exclusive hour each month just for our patrons. We do a lot of stuff, and so I'm really trying to maximize the value that we bring through this video game-specific segment. At its core, this was always intended to be video game content for Outsiders Overrated every month. Originally, we kept it in the main show. Uh, first it was just me talking about game pass games every month which was a little awkward as a monologue Mm -hmm. uh then casey jumped in and then a couple months later burns jumped in and i think we have a really good thing here with our video game talk and the game club is just a chance to get more patrons involved and like on mic and just to have some more agency uh we haven't fully decided how we're going to curate the games for this the thing i'm leaning towards most right now is having us alternate we each bring a game for each one of the sessions so like um we might have some discussion maybe we have some discussion in the oio discord but like ultimately one of us will be responsible for choosing the game it'll be me this month it'll be burns next time it'll be casey next time and uh that way we can really curate our experiences we can focus on really high quality games or things that we really want to play for some reason we're not just scrolling through game pass saying oh well i have a couple of hours for this weird indie thing. Let's uh put that up this month. <laughs> so because that did happen a few times where it's like, oh, this is I'm really busy this month. So yep. let, let's put up let's put Loop up Hero. Limbo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two hour game. Let's do that. That would be perfect. <laughs> or I'm playing some massive game for the main show. So yeah, inside that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. So if you have thoughts on the format, you can always hit me up at either overratedpod at gmail.com, overratedpod at gmail.com, Tom OIO on any social, or you can send me a note on any social or that email address to be a part of the OIO Discord. Uh, but, I mean, we're still going to talk about video games. We're just kind of changing the way that we do it a little bit. And I think, yeah, like you had said, a lot of the focus is to try to get more interplay with um, the patrons. Like, instead of it just being... Um, voting on what we play each month, uh, giving an opportunity for people to do more with it and have more engagement, right? And I thought the voting was cool. I thought that would be a unique hook. And there were some patrons that were genuinely interested and participated every month. But out of 25 patrons, we were getting five, six, seven, eight votes per month. this time. Oh, people were really invested in this one. Uh, I invited Brian to actually be a regular contributor. I didn't discuss this with you guys and hopefully brian doesn't mind me sharing this anecdote on the air because i didn't run it by him either but i invited brian to be a regular contributor on game pass forever with us his response was xbox sucks (laughs) i'm guessing you would stand by that yeah i'll I'll take that as a no and uh you know now hopefully we'll be just a little bit more inclusive when people can play if Say we play uh, Cyberpunk. That's one that I'm really interested in maybe doing for one of my months. Cyberpunk, anyone could play that. PC, PS5, and any of those patrons could be a part of the show then. But for now, our patrons vote on the games that we play. If you enjoy this content or would like to be a part of the conversation, please back our show on Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash OIO. Contributions start at just $2. Next month, we play Lies of P by NeoWiz. I think so. Neow is? I'm pretty sure it's Neo is. Neo is, yeah. Nailed it. Liza P is a thrilling Souls-like that takes the story of Pinocchio, turns it on its head, and sets it against the darkly elegant backdrop of the Belle Epoque era? 
no clue what, what that means. Yeah, me neither. So, uh, Casey, you played one other Souls-like <clears throat> game on this show. It was uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, yeah. Why uh, Why exactly did you put another Souls-like game up? Um, Partly because... I mean, I kind of forgot that Jedi Fallen Order was considered a Souls-like, but you... Uh, I mean, I can't wait wanted, to get your experience. Yeah, you've always wanted to see, like, how I would handle this sort of a game. And I hope your children steer you directly into, like, the hornet's nest again. <laughs> Probably will. <laughs> and he thought this was a FromSoft game at one point. I did, yes. read an article. Because the article I read on it, because I to actually research when hey put up a game like I don't just like oh, that looks cool so I actually look at some titles and I read articles to make sure that what I'm putting up is actually going to be enjoyable to play yeah like when you put up uh, Limbo and it wasn't on Game Pass, Game Pass yes <laughs> I was an old article that I read so it unfortunately yeah but yeah so I, it, it it was a yeah I don't know it just looked looked really cool and unique and the the Pinocchio story as kind of the backdrop sounded really interesting, um, and this yeah just being the the souls like that you like I said you wanted to see how how I handled that sort of a game so I I decided to throw it up and and it won and Birdsy after your burning fiery hatred of Elden Ring I can't wait to get you back into like the Soulsborne loop this game is going to be a zero out of ten unless. I can, there's a mechanic where I can lie to NPCs to make my nose grow so that I can use that as my weapon and attack things with it. (laughs) Otherwise, the game is a zero out of ten if it doesn't give me that. Like, like that would be, that would be perfect. I don't know about your nose growing and being able to use that as a weapon, but I do know that part of the game is interacting with NPCs and telling them lies or truths to evolve the story. Sounds interesting. Well, we'll be back next month for initial impressions on Lies of P by NeoWiz. And uh, then in two months, we'll have our complete breakdown as well as our end of the year's ranking show. There's no nasal warfare. It's garbage. Noted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this standalone segment of the Outside is Overrated podcast. Stay inside, kids.